Hey y'all, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And in today's episode, we have couples finance coach extraordinaire Adam Cole. He is going to help us effectively communicate with our partners about money. And single people, there's nuggets for us too. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Hey, happy Black History Month. Happy Love Month. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day weekend celebrating your loved ones. I have so much love for each and every one of you guys. You could be listening to the other 12 billion other podcasts in the world, but you're right here with me and I appreciate it. And if you're digging the content and you're liking what you're hearing, please be sure to review on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you're listening to this podcast. And as mentioned in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to communicate with your partners about money. It can be such a triggering uh, topic because we all come from different backgrounds. So I figured, you know, since your girl is still solo dolo, I figured it would be good to have an expert come on and talk about this subject. Today's guest, Adam H. Cole, JD, is a couples financial coach. He helps couples who love each other make sure the money conversation doesn't get in the way, leading to financial clarity, stability, peace of mind, and partnership. Adam draws on over a decade of experience as a certified mediator and a former tax attorney and financial advisor. He received his law degree from Duke and a master's in tax law from NYU. He's an experienced social justice community organizer and lifelong musician. You can find his personal finance parodies on YouTube. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. Hello, DC family. We've got another special guest. Today we have couples financial coaching extraordinaire, Adam Cole. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, Adam. So how you doing? How you feeling? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in my neighborhood, so I can't complain. Same, likewise. So, Adam, you um, have quite a bit of interesting professional experience from, you know, you have mediator, you're tax attorney, social justice community organizer, podcaster, couples finance coach. Like, so what was kind of the trajectory for, you know, your career? Like, how did you finally land upon couples financial <laughs> coaching? It, it wasn't on purpose. Okay. I can take very little credit for the fact that these things all added up so well to the career I'm in now. But um, I mean, I've always been a money geek. I always love that stuff. I studied political science and economics and philosophy as an undergrad and then worked as a financial advisor. And that was great. But I ultimately knew I wanted to go to law school. Uh, along the way, I actually got married at 23, just before I went off to law school. And then after finishing law school at Duke, then I went to NYU for a master's in tax law. And while I was at NYU, my wife and I decided to get a divorce. So that was an important formative experience because I learned the the pain of relationships that don't work, right? And uh, I also, at the time, like I said, I was getting a master's in tax law. It also opened up opportunities for me to go explore whatever I wanted to explore as a no longer married man. And so I moved out to California where I got involved in not only working as a tax lawyer and then later working at a nonprofit as a lawyer, working on housing and homelessness related issues. But I also got involved with social justice community organizing, which led me to be doing conflict resolution work for part of the community I was in. And when I realized I had a knack for that, I ended up getting certified in mediation. And along the way, I had been doing a lot of personal development work and started doing some coaching and realized I had a knack for that. And I put my started my business. And then a few months in, basically just had this realization through a conversation with another professional that 
there's a huge issue at the intersection of relationships and money that it's one of the top causes of stress and fighting. And it's one of the top causes of divorce. And when I looked, I saw very few people specializing in this, working on this, very few books written about it. And I looked at my experience and said, you know, I've got the mediator and coach side and organizer side, and I've got the financial advisor and tax attorney and finance geek side. So I think I can maybe make an impact in this space. And I went and ordered all the books on Amazon, started reading them, started talking to people, putting out content, thinking about it all day, every day. And about three years later, here I am with a beautifully well-established business and the opportunity to impact and hopefully benefit couples every day through my content, through my coaching, and through being able to be a guest on podcasts like yours. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is awesome. It kind of snowballed. You started one thing, and then it led to another thing, and then you're, wow, that's so interesting. I love how that's, how everything just kind of rolled into one another. That is so cool. It's just like a very kind of natural trajectory. And yet, and yet completely unplanned, right? I mean, listen, couples financial coach is not a job. You know, I have a one-year-old nephew, right? Like people, oh, he like put, likes to put things together or take them apart. Oh, he could be an engineer. Oh, he, you know, is a really good at moving around. Maybe he could be an athlete. No, nobody says, oh, he's really good at X. He could be a couples financial coach. This is like not a job that exists, right? So it certainly wasn't intentional, but at the same time, it was beautiful to find something that is a big need out there because this is such a tough topic for couples and people and also sat really at the intersection of all the things that I had done both volunteer and professionally. Yeah, that yeah, that is so good that you found this sort of this hole in the industry because literally when I was doing research, <laughs> looking people up, you're right, there's not a lot of there's people who do couples coaching and then there's people who do financial co- coaching, but there's not people, you know, who do both. So I love that. Right. Definitely. Right. Then when you, when you are um, coaching couples and talking to people, like, how do you remain neutral? Because I know me, like <laughs> I can get very, you know, even when we watch TV shows, we get super judgmental. We're like, Oh, that's stupid. They shouldn't do that. Like, how do you not pick sides when you're, uh, when you're doing coaching? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you put in the the qualifier when you're doing coaching, because when I'm watching Married at First Sight, yes! you're darn tootin' I have opinions about everybody, okay? Um, I love when they turn out to be wrong and you find out throughout the season, like, oh, that way I judge that person. But how I remain neutral, the key, honestly, is self-awareness. Um, and so what that means, you know, all my clients one of the first things we do is basically take a self inventory of our relationships to money, of our perspectives, our viewpoints. It's important for me that I have done and continue to do that work for myself. Right. And it's not just about money. It's also about how money intersects with other things. For example, like gender, right. Am I more likely to over uh, feel like, a closer link to, let's say, if it's a heterosexual couple, am I more likely to feel uh, affinity for the male person and like, you know, their point of view, or perhaps the other direction, because I care about equity. And I know that there's a lot of gendered power dynamics, and there's the gender wage gap and things like this. Uh, Women are typically harmed more by divorce. Uh, Am I going to over identify with the woman in the situation, right? And it's not that you have to take away all judgment because my belief is the way our brains work, they naturally do that. It's to be able to uh, bring enough self-awareness and slow things down, right? Like make sure you're breathing and being present so that you can distinguish when it's a narrative that you're putting forth versus something that is actually responsive to the client. And listen, I have no shame about it. If I'm not sure if I might be speaking from my own point of view, I'll say I might be projecting. So let me know if this resonates or not. It's fine either way. But here's what came up for me. What do you think about that? 
Oh, wow. That was good. Yes, I am a huge proponent of self-awareness. That is so, 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 so important. So then, so when you're doing, um, and the the self-awareness sort of inventory of yourself is a constant thing, but when you have that like initial, these initial meetings with couples, money is so triggering, right? Because it, like it, like you mentioned, it intersects with so many parts of our lives. So do you find that there's, very um, significant, like emotional responses. Do you find that like someone may like get into a fight or like throw something or like have a panic attack or like something, you know, very emotionally triggering happens during coaching? Good, great question. Um, I would say tears show up at a pretty high percentage of my initial, like, especially the first coaching session where we're talking about this stuff around what I call your money and relationship story, uh, which is around like your mindset and your experience points of view. Uh, there are a lot of tears in those sessions. It's pretty, pretty common. Um, as far as anything kind of more intense than that, um, I haven't really experienced it. I mean, part of where I situate myself in the market is for couples who have already given up on their relationship and they want to get a divorce, that's, I'm not the right fit for that. I'm the right fit for couples who love each other, right? But they want to make sure that this money stuff doesn't get in the way. Now they could be, some of my clients are just, we don't know where to start. Some are afraid of the conversation and they're avoiding it. And some are even actively fighting about it. That's fine. As long as there's that shared commitment to uh, growth in this area. And if there's something like a panic attack at that point, I would suggest that they go see a therapist to see about what might be causing that. Um, and, you know, adjust accordingly, whether we have to pause their coaching or whatever the case may be, right? It's all about serving the client and making sure that this moves their life and relationship forward and their finances forward, right? Rather than pushing them in a bad direction. Yeah, definitely referring people over, you know, hey, you might need a therapist in addition to coaching as well. Yeah, that is so good. So in your line of work, why do you why do you think, in your opinion, it's so hard for people to talk about finances? Yeah, uh, simply put, it's a taboo topic and each of us has our own baggage, so to speak, around it, our own points of view and oftentimes we feel them very strongly uh, and then take all of that which because we don't talk about as as because we don't talk about it as a society in general we often are we lack that self-awareness or humility around our points of view or to the extent that there's trauma there we haven't worked through it right um, and then we try and merge with another person who's likely in the exact same spot, who maybe hasn't done a ton of self-examination, has unhealed trauma around money. And now we're trying to unify them. And no one ever taught us how to talk about this, how to think about this, how to relate about this. It, it can very easily, you can see, become a mess, especially when you add in that you may not feel, neither of you may feel like you know, one or both of you, Sorry, let me say that. Especially when you add in that one or both of you may feel not much confidence around financial topics, right? Or maybe sharing your emotions doesn't come as naturally to you or communicating about vulnerable things is not easy, right? So we're taking a taboo topic and then we're asking you to do things that are already difficult and in some cases require a certain amount of technical knowledge, right? It's just... It's just, uh, uh, unfortunately, a mess waiting to happen in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, yeah, that is so good. Um, you're kind of, we're kind of in the realm of talking about like money stories because so much of our relationship to money is rooted in our upbringing. And you say that most of us don't talk about it. Hey, it's just, you know, we, your parents just say, we don't got it. Sit down in the corner. <laughs> like that's, that's all you need to know. And so I guess, how do you kind of, uh, unfold those layers in a healthy way so that people, you know, couples can kind of come to like some sort of like financial consensus, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, my process 
has a few parts and I, I always like to depict it like a pyramid at the bottom foundational layer is this exploration of your upbringing around with money of your mindsets around money of the ways you've been conditioned around money like i said i call that your money and relationship story and then like just working through that and talking to your partner about that can make a huge difference um and then the that's kind of your emotional cognitive point a and then i have my clients figure out and understand their financial point a which what is your financial situation in this moment whether it's good bad or ugly what is it let's get real right and then along the way working through what's our vision for the future each individually where are the overlaps there what is a shared vision for financial prosperity look like which are our top priorities that we're going to go after now and what's it going to take to achieve those right so what's the point b what are the goals we want to achieve in whatever time frame and then okay we know our point a now and we know our point b and at one year at that juncture creating a plan is actually relatively seamless because you've done all that work and of course for me along the way what's important is that throughout each of my seven modules in my curriculum i am sharing a really important communication skill or tool with my clients that they get to practice in doing the activities uh and it's kind of like you know workshopping these tools and skills and frameworks kind of like you're being on the practice field if you're an athlete so that if you're no longer working with me you're finished with the program you have the not only the safety around the money conversation like you feel safe talking about it to each other but you also have a bunch of tools in your toolkit that will allow you to update your plan as things change in life because they inevitably change Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I love that. Setting that foundation. Because what most people do is they try to create the plan first. Right. Well, and here's the thing. Because if you create the plan first and you don't have a shared vision of where you're trying to get to, you're asking for trouble. That plan is unlikely to stick, right? If you try and go into the plan and figure out how much do we want to spend on x item on dining out right when you don't have any sense of i feel safe talking to my partner about money related stuff that's just going to end in a fight and that's the biggest mistake i see couples make they go straight to the numbers and i know that sounds strange to hear but when you peel back the layers if you go straight to the numbers that can lead to a lot of conflict because you don't yet know how to talk to each other about this now listen don't get me wrong if you're in a position where you're trying to keep the lights on, right, or trying to just put food on the table, of course, we have to go to the numbers and navigate those, right? Who I'm speaking to are couples who kind of have those lower levels of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs handled, right? And now we're at this point where we're like, how can we talk about this in a healthy way? How can we get on the same page so we can actually achieve our short, medium and long-term goals while also improving our relationship, right? When you're able to be at that stage uh, out of the fight or flight, like kind of panic mode, uh, then sitting down and getting comfortable talking about this and understanding each other's points of view is the essential prerequisite to coming up with a plan that number one, both people feel good about Number two, actually will help you achieve your goals. And number three, a plan that actually sticks, right? You really need to have all three of those aspects for it to be successful. So good. And I also love that you brought up Maslow's hierarchy. Yes, that is absolutely very, very, very important because if you don't, if you can't, you know, take care of basic needs, then <laughs> you definitely have to take care of that first before you even start planning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and especially during the time that we're recording this interview, right? We're still in the midst of a global pandemic yes. that is devastating a lot of people's jobs. I have clients who have been laid off or had their hours cut uh, in a pandemic that is still disproportionately hurting certain communities over others. I mean, I saw a figure the recent job losses, like 
they were all women. The men's jobs went up slightly for the month and women lost all of the jobs oh, that our wow. economy lost. Right? Uh, and this pandemic has disproportionately hurt lower income people, communities of color, right? So it's it's important to acknowledge like this is something that is a struggle for people right now, right? But um, to the extent you're able to, or you know, even when the moment comes sometime, hopefully in the near future, when you're able to handle those basic needs and then start thinking about, okay, how do I elevate my game here so that we have a better relationship, so that we have stronger finances, so that we maybe can actually create some generational wealth to pass on to our kids, right? Then this stuff becomes really important and timely. Yes, absolutely. I actually didn't know that fact about women. Oh, wow. Yeah, here, I just quickly pulled it up from CNN. Here's the specific statistic. Uh, women on net lost 156,000 jobs, while men on net gained 16,000 for a net loss of 140,000. Look at that disparity. Wow, that is crazy. Okay, so I'm going to make up a scenario, right? So as a woman, let's say, you know, something happens, you know, and I get laid off and I really, I'm beginning to realize, you know, how important finances are, right? And let's say, you know, before I get to you, right, before I even have a consultation with you of any sort, let's say that, you know, I try to bring up money, you know, because things have clearly changed. I try to bring up money and it's a complete shutdown for my partner every time. I don't want to talk about it. So what are some strategies for people whose partners just, it's a shutdown and it's like, how am I supposed to work Mm -hmm. with this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I'll say is, I have a free quiz that I'll share to find how your relationship is with your money and your honey, as I say, to make it rhyme with your significant other. Uh, And depending on which type you get at the end of that and where you're at, it's got some helpful information, but also a free tool to help you specifically where you're at to get to the next level. Right. But in general, uh, what really matters, what I see makes a difference is a little bit of self-reflection, a little bit of courage, some deep breaths, and then standing your ground. Um, unfortunately, we don't always relate to this topic like it's a necessity that we need to be discussing it and finding our way to the same page with our significant other, with our spouse, with our partner. Um, but it is, right? Um, money affects all aspects of our lives. Money is a factor constantly. We go to work, that's money. We're paying bills, that's money. We're buying gas, that's money, right? It's affecting us profoundly, whether we like it or not. And so from my point of view, I say this should really be on the pantheon of essential topics, right? That we talk about as a couple, we talk about where we want to live, whether we want to have a family, and if so, how big. We talk about sex and intimacy. We talk about, and money has to be on that list. And I understand this sometimes takes courage uh, to bring that up. And then the other thing is always just bringing some compassion for your partner, because the likelihood is that if they're if they don't want to talk about it, if they're shutting down, it's usually not because they don't care about you. It's because something about that conversation or even maybe your energy when you come to them or both is having them have a strong reaction and response that they don't really know how to deal with right and so we the best thing we can do is to hold space like allow them to move out of fight or flight mode while also holding our ground that, hey, this is not a, can we talk about it, yes or no? It's a, we need to talk about this, when's a good time? Yeah, yeah, that is so good. Yeah, it's we it's true, we talk about everything else, we talk about, you know, your kids talk about, you know, work, you talk about all these other things, so then money has to become a necessity. And I even saw um, um, a, a financial person that I follow, she talked about money being a form of self-care as well. And I thought that was like right on par. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And you um and you also brought up um your quiz, which I'll also put in the show uh description for uh people to take the quiz. So then 
uh, with the quiz, does it kind of like categorize you kind of the same way with like love languages? Are there money love languages? Is there like a best way to approach people with different <laughs> types or like, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. And just for people who are listening, I'll say the quiz is at one of these, the bit.ly links. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. So it's B-I-T period L-Y slash love money quiz. But the first letter of each word is capitalized. So like capital L, capital M, capital Q. Um, so I don't know that I've distilled it to like financial love languages per se. Um, but yeah, I think the best way to deal with your partner is by understanding your partner is by asking them questions and questions that allow them to speak broadly, right? Not just like a yes or no question, but a question that invites them to reflect and to share and then listening and validating what they have to say, whether or not you agree. Um, that's the best way to move things forward. It's, we are as humans, Generally, we will open up when we feel safe, when we feel cared for, when we feel like the other person really has our best interests at heart, right? So if you can do those things, that's what will have your person open up. Now, like I said, in the beginning, you may have to take a strong stance, which doesn't mean aggressive or nasty. It just means you have to hold your line, right? Like, listen, I get it's something that's uncomfortable, but we really, really need to talk about this, right? You might have to do that in the beginning, but once they're having that conversation, listening, understanding, being curious will allow them to open up more and more over time. And the more they open up, the more you'll be able to understand how best to approach them about these topics, right? Because for example, if we have a partner who let's say spends a lot, it's easy to just think, oh, oh, they are just like a big spender. They don't care about the budget. Um, you know, they're reckless or whatever. And that could be the case, but more often than not, it's, it's not the case. There's something that drives them to spend the way they do, right? Um, maybe they grew up in poverty and while some people respond to that by being really cautious with their money, some people respond to that by being like, you know what, when I have it, I don't know if I'm going to have it tomorrow. So I might as well enjoy it while I have it today. Right. Um, and so that's not something where they don't care about you or your future. It's like this ingrained mindset that if it's going to be shifted, awareness and compassion are going to be two essential ingredients to making that happen, right? And then, of course, coming together and creating a shared vision that you're working on as teammates, right? Because a lot of people end up feeling like in their opposition, they're going against their, their spouse or partner with this stuff. If you can find your way to be on the same team, on the same side, that will make it so much easier for follow through. Yeah, absolutely. That all oh, that is so good. Yeah, because you just touched on um, a really important uh, theme when talking to your partners about finances in that sometimes we just look at the behavior and then we don't like, again, peeling back those layers and looking at the root causes of, you know, hmm, like, why do they spend so much or why are they so tight with yeah, absolutely. things like that? So for couples that are having the money conversations and then they realize they have two completely different goal sets. So for example, one person is very pro investing. They want to invest every last dollar. And the other person is very anti-leverage, anti-debt. Is there any hope for couples like this? Absolutely. All right. It can seem on the surface really treacherous. Like how do we navigate this? And I get that. And this is very common. Uh, oftentimes we attract partners who in a lot of ways balance us out, but before we can see that balance and the way we can complement each other, a lot of times until we understand that part of ourselves and them, it just looks like a nightmare, like something where we're butting heads, right? The reality is 
the person who wants to save for the future and the person who wants to enjoy life today can be beautifully complementary, right? And I just, I, I had this experience with a couple. I mean, first of all, you both, I guarantee you both agree on at least one thing, which is you want to live your best lives, right? And presumably and hopefully you also want your partner to live their best life. So there's not complete disagreement, okay? But in your example, and this is very similar to this client of mine, one person is very focused on stability and saving, making sure they pay down all the debts, right? Um, and the other person, the husband is like very generous with his money. And it got him into some difficult situations because he would always give to other people, trust other people, um, and then he got burned. So through his wife's influence, he learned how to be more careful about his spending. But I was listening to him talk about it. And he said, you know, I know that I do frivolous spending sometime, sometimes. And I went back and I said, notice, use the word frivolous. Right? Usually there's the judgment inside when someone refers to their own choices as frivolous or their own spending decisions as frivolous. And I said, that's one point of view. From another point of view, you have a giant heart and you're extremely generous, right? And the two of you can really complement each other beautifully. Right? If you can start to remove the stigma and the shame from anything you don't like about your mindset or how you grew up with money and just look at it as two imperfect humans who have made a commitment to each other in general and now we're making this commitment around our shared goals. And to your point, if there are different goals like generational wealth and spending and enjoying now, it's like anything else in a relationship or marriage. You talk it out and you find compromise, right? So maybe this means that partner A would have put, you know, 50% of their paycheck toward generational long-term wealth building and investing and Partner B would have put 50% of their paycheck towards the vacation fund and let's enjoy it now. And maybe you compromise, maybe 25% goes to the enjoy it now and 25% goes to the building long-term wealth, right? And, and there, it, there's no rules here. There's And in, in my work, I don't suggest that all couples should have a certain account structure, like joint accounts, separate accounts, a mix. I don't dictate that you should have a certain kind of budget or certain items in your budget. My job, I see it as to ask you the right questions and push on the right buttons so that you and your partner can reflect on this individually and together and decide what's the right course of action for you. And there are truly, there's truly no limit. It's only limited by our creativity, how we want to set things up and structure it. And so that's beautiful because it means this day and age where there's all different kinds of investments, all different kinds of accounts, all different kinds of ways we can purchase items and experiences. You can really customize your money to your priorities and values and what you care about. Yes. Oh, I love that. That was so good. Yes. Customization complimenting one another and compromise. That's what I got out of that. That is so, so, so good. I'm glad you do. And I'll, you know, of course I was speaking of how you compliment each other, like compliment with an E, but the compliment with an I also, like let's toss that in, acknowledge your partner for that. You know, I appreciate you for keeping me in line and being thoughtful, right? And then I appreciate you for making sure that I'm enjoying life and not just putting off gratification till later, right? And it's it's such a powerful thing to acknowledge what each of you brings to the table. Absolutely. I think that's also um, uh, kind of, at least from some of the things that I've seen, that sometimes people can be, you know, oh, it's just, we're just too different. It's not working. And it's, but there can be literally complimenting one another, right? Where 
um, you know, if one person's a spender and one person's a giver, there can be um, strength in both, you know, checks and balances in that way. And then also complimenting, right, with the eyes. Sometimes we come with our list of complaints and we're just like, you don't do this, you don't do that. And then wonder why people aren't receptive. Yeah, yeah, it can make such a difference, right? Because if you're singing each other's praises, showing gratitude, acknowledging each other regularly, then when there's a moment that there is a concern or criticism, it tends to land a lot better because you have that much more trust and confidence that this person really loves you, wants the relationship to work and has your best interest at heart. Also, uh, briefly touched upon, um, you know, it's highly debatable. Um, a lot of people um, have debates about how many accounts you should have, what types of accounts you should have. And I love that you allow flexibility. But there's one question I have regarding accounts. Do you think it is um, a bad idea to have like secret accounts? Um, that maybe, you know, once one partner is like, Hey, you know, I got this money over here on the side that my partner doesn't know about. Is that a problem or is that something that is workable? (laughs) So, yeah, I would say that that's certainly a problem. Um, I understand why people do that. Oftentimes if, you know, if you're listening and that's you and you have the secret account, it doesn't make you a bad person. Um, perhaps you have been taken advantage of financially in the past, right? Or you've seen that happen to people you love and people around you. And so you might be scared and you're trying to make sure that you're taken care of in case, God forbid, the relationship goes south, something doesn't work, you split up, you get a divorce, right? So I understand why. Um, However, I've talked a lot about trust and safety. Those are the fundamental elements of having healthy, the kind of conversations about money that allow you to create and execute on a shared vision and a shared plan for what you care about to achieve those goals, right? So for there to be trust and safety, being honest and open is of course a a vital part. Um, And so if you do have a secret account, I would encourage you to share about it as soon as you can and start doing the work to repair whatever harm might've been done there. But you know, that, that can be done. You can repair that work. And what I really encourage you to do as well is to get really self-reflective, maybe even like write about it, like journal about it. You know, what do I think had me want to have this secret account? Why did I set it up? And for example, let's say you find out that it's, I don't like the feeling of being controlled and I want to have some autonomy. Well, there might be ways to do that that still involve being on the up and up. Maybe we have some shared account for shared expenses. And then we each have our personal accounts that we can spend anything we want on. And we just know how much money's going in there each month. Like we each get a $500 a month, but I don't have to ask you any questions about what I spend my $500 on and neither do you, right? That's one way to do it. Um, So there's all kinds of different options. And if it's, a fear of being taken advantage of, right? Uh, then you'd want to talk about that with your partner, right? This is important stuff to be discussing to bring you closer together. What experiences have I had that have made me afraid of abandonment or afraid of someone taking advantage of me? And how can we honor that in the choices we make in, in the relationship in general, but including around our finances, right? How, how might that look. And I've had clients who are not ready to merge finances yet, but they bought a car together or they leased a place together or they opened a joint account for just their joint expenses. They took whatever steps were appropriate for them in that moment. And over time, they reevaluated. In, in the world of communication, sometimes we call this like the unmet need. Like what is the thing that, right? In this case, some security, right? Maybe that's the unmet need because I'm afraid I'm gonna be taken advantage of. I want some security. Okay, well, how can we create that sense of security? And how can we create that security? Secret accounts 
might be one way, but it's like taking one of those medications where the side effects are worse than the benefits, right? Um, so, okay, I want security. How can I get that? Maybe a post-nuptial agreement. Maybe it can happen just through conversations with my partner. Maybe it happens through not combining finances right away or ever, right? But still being honest about like not hiding anything, nothing secret. Um, it's just like my money, my choices, but I'm not hiding anything from you. Absolutely. Yes, there are options. And so um, for, you know, all the, you know, all the single people, I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, a quite, you know, a little information for the single people. So uh, when we, you know, were considering marriage, you know, we had a partner for a while, like what types of questions do you think are important to ask prior to, you know, getting married? <laughs> yeah, I think that if you're going to marry somebody at that point, every choice you're making is going to be, there's, you're influencing each other, you're affecting each other with every choice. So at that point, I think you should be talking about all of this stuff, right? Um, sharing about not just the numbers, but I really recommend also sharing about the experiences you've had around money, the feelings you have around money, the emotions, what you grew up with, the things we were talking about earlier in this conversation. Um, and at least so that you can come to the point where you're like, we are or we aren't going to work on joint goals. But if you are, and usually as a married couple, most of them do want to work on at least some joint goals or some joint commitments financially, then it's really important to do all of those things I was saying, create a safe space to talk about it, figure out your current situation, figure out where you're trying to get to and in what frame of time, and then work backwards to understand how do I get from point A to point B, right? And try to do it in a constructive way that is building security, building safety, building trust, while also bringing you financial clarity, right? And financial stability, um, because you're doing this thoughtfully intentionally and you're doing it as a team yes that is so good oh yes all of that yeah transparency is important <laughs> you know know these conversations are uncomfortable to have but they are necessary absolutely yeah well and the thing is right you mentioned this before some people feel like basically oh well it's not going to work for me the truth is this can be shifted this area can be valuable for any couple. And if you don't work on it, if you say, oh, it's not gonna work for me or it's gonna take too much time or uh, anything like that, the truth is if you leave it the way it's been, you have to be really honest about yourself. If we don't change anything about the way our finances are and the way our communication about money is, what's the likely result, okay? And I think for a lot of couples, if they're really honest with themselves about that, it's not pretty. Right. And the reality is your money mindset, whatever things you have around money that you think make you unable to change, you weren't born with those things. They were creations of your, the way you grew up and society and your brain all having a play date. And <laughs> the good news about that is that because it got created, it can also be shifted. Right. And so truly anybody can shift their relationship with money. I'm not saying there's some magic pill like, oh, you know, you're going to work with me and go from, you know, you're making $15 an hour and then you're going to be a billionaire. Of course not. That's that's not how it works. But this part where like, oh, yeah, we're never going to be able to communicate or find common ground or work together. We absolutely can shift the parts of your mindset that have you feel that way, even when there's bumps in the road, as there inevitably will be, because life is life. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is indeed a journey. And so, Adam, yeah, you've been dropping gems upon gems. And so Thank you. Um, if you could change anything about, you know, your experiences and your journey in the financial industry, would you change anything? It's a tricky question. Um, I mean... I went to law school and even with scholarships ended up with a lot of student loan debt, right? It would be nice to have not have that burden. Uh, but let me rephrase that. It would be nice to not have 
that on my balance sheet, right? Um, but really, and as we talked about in the beginning, I feel really grateful and fortunate that all of my experiences have really led to me being able to do this work with couples, helping them get financial clarity and stability and teamwork and peace of mind. You know, even the challenges like my divorce helped me start to say, you know, all right, how do I grow? How do I learn from this? Um, where are my areas that I can shore up so I can be a better partner and have a better life, right? And all of those things have been really invaluable in helping me get to the point where I am today. So not to be cheesy, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think each part played a role and I love the work I get to do now. I feel very blessed to do it. So uh, I'll say I'd leave it the same. <sighs> Yeah. Even though there was definitely some stress <laughs> along the way. Absolutely. All right. So, man, yep. It was that, that was just, this has just been so, 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 so good. So helpful. Um, and so now we're just going to kind of get into sort of those wrap up questions. Um, so the first one is what is your current favorite piece of advice or your current mantra that you're living by right now? In my business or personally? Oh, you can do both. Yeah, that's <laughs> if you have two different ones. The best advice I ever got as an entrepreneur was from my mom. She said, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so I, I try and live that each day. Some are better than others, but just continue to live that. And in my personal life, just working on calm, using my breath to allow me to slow down, um, the yeah the same analytical brain that allows me to be an effective coach can also sometimes <laughs> be like okay take a break when i'm not working right and so uh just using the breath to slow it down and find my calm in any given moment or situation and i definitely feel you on taking a breather as someone who's always going a mile a minute i have been taking quiet walks without electronics mm -hmm. and distractions and it's challenging but it's definitely helpful all right and on to the next question your favorite food or drink so my favorite food i recently got to try something from a restaurant down here in miami i live in south florida and i've also i've been vegan for over seven years and this place, it's called Love Life Cafe, shout outs. And they made their own version of basically kind of like a McGriddle. Uh, so it was like, I don't even remember what the bread was, but it was delicious. And they had like this vegan egg on there and vegan sausage and maple syrup and vegan cheese. It was just like out of this world, out of this world. Yeah. I, I think my girlfriend almost fainted from how good it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that's what sticks out to me right now. But, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm the kind of guy, I love rice and beans, and I could eat that all the darn time, you know, especially, you know, hummus. Like, these are, yeah, the go-tos I love. <laughs> so vegan McGriddle. Okay, I'm going to have to look out for that. <laughs> all right. And so, Adam, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. Um, and I think my answer would have been different at different times over the last handful of years, but I want to be remembered as a person who cared, who did his best to be open to change and grow, to be better to the people around him and also kinder to himself. Um, so just someone who kind of gave a darn and and tried even however imperfectly those efforts might be from a certain point of view uh yeah absolutely i feel that okay so adam where can the good people reach you absolutely so uh i am on the main 
platforms as Couples Financial Coach. So you can find me on Facebook as Couples Financial Coach, on Instagram as Couples Financial Coach. My podcast has been recently renamed to the Couples Financial Coach podcast. Um, and also on LinkedIn, I'm there as Adam Cole, KOL, Couples Financial Coach. So that's if you want to connect with me through social media. But if you're interested in taking my quiz, finding out your couple's money personality type, then that's at B-I-T period L-Y slash love money quiz with the L, the M, and the Q capitalized first letter of each word in the slug. And uh, yeah, you know, check out that quiz, get yourself a, a free gift at the end that's specific to the category you land in. And uh, you can check me out at adamcole.com, A-D-A-M-K-O-L.com. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's so many actionable um, steps that we can take towards better communicating with our partners about money. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Ooh, that was good. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed um, recording it and editing it. Um, single people, I told you there are gems for us as well. And most of us single people want to be booed up one day, right? So why not get these fundamentals in now? Because first takeaway for me was to talk about the... Um, the money mindset, if you will, and your money stories prior to pulling out all the numbers. Cause I know me, I like to look at numbers. You know, I would be the first one to be like, Hey, let's pull out all the accounts and get your credit report. Let's look at, but before you even do that, let's talk about, let's talk about how you feel about money and then we can take it from there. So that bottom level of just first starting and talking about the money mindsets of each partner. All right. And the second major takeaway for me was complimentary with an E and complimentary with an I. Your differences don't have to work against, you know, your your union and your relationship. They are complementary. They can work tandem, hand in hand. And also the complement with an I, right? Sometimes we come barging in, making our list of demands and you going to do what I say. <laughs> but ultimately that just... That causes people to shut down. So also complimenting your partner on what they're doing well as well, as opposed to just coming with, you know, your long list of complaints. So I hope this episode was helpful and let me know what you think. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.